From the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania and Sirius XM, this is the Work and Life podcast, which explores how to create harmony among the different parts of life, work, home, community, and the private self, your mind, body, and spirit. The conversation you're about to hear was originally recorded on the Work and Life radio show on Sirius XM 111, business radio powered by Wharton. Here's your host, founding director of Wharton's Work-Life Integration Project and author of the bestseller, Total Leadership, Professor Stu Friedman. My guest today is Andy Malinsky, who's a professor at Brandeis University's International Business School. He's the author of a wonderful new book. It's called Reach, a new strategy to help you step outside your comfort zone, rise to the challenge, and build confidence. What Andy helps people to do is to develop the insights and the courage necessary to act outside their personal and cultural comfort zones when trying to do important but challenging things in their work and in other parts of their lives. He very helpfully describes the psychological barriers, the forces that keep us stuck in our comfort zones, like how to be a different kind of person than the one you've been before. Will that seem weird or awkward? Uh, Like feeling incompetent. What if I fail? What will that mean to my self-esteem? Like whether or not people will still appreciate me or like me if I'm going to be in some way different. And the feeling of resentment that, like, why should I even have to change when other people can just be who they are and succeed in life? And finally, the fifth one he identifies is the question of morality. Is this a good thing that I'm doing or is it not? So we explore these challenges and then get to how to overcome them, uh, which is, of course, a big topic. But we, we do a pretty good job in this episode, I think, of identifying the three keys that that Malinsky has found in his research, and they have to do with Finding the courage of your convictions starts with that. Do you believe in what it is that you're trying to do? Your clarity of understanding the realities of the situation, what might be holding you back is perhaps more in your head than in the real situation that you face, so getting clarity about that. And then customizing or tweaking, taking what I call the small wins approach to small steps towards moving forward beyond your comfort zone. You're not as helpless as you think is the message here. And uh, when you spend a little bit of time thinking about your situation like a leader, it's amazing what you can actually accomplish. So how do you make that scary step a little bit smaller? How do you find your your learning zone and, and build confidence? Finally, special bonus at the end of this episode uh, – if you listen to my radio show on Sirius XM 111, business radio powered by the Wharton School, that's uh, that we air on Tuesdays, Eastern Time at 7 p.m. live. In the second half of my show, after I talk to an interesting guest uh, like Andy Malinsky, I take calls from listeners. By the way, you should listen and call in if you want to talk on the radio. It's fun. Well, Andy stayed on. Uh, which is unusual. He stayed on for the second half, and we took calls. We had a great time, and there was one call that came from a high school student named Tara and her mother. They were driving in the car, coming back from Washington, D.C., where 
Tara had just lobbied Congress on behalf of the Epilepsy Foundation. This was such a cool story. I wanted you to hear it. Uh, It's inspiring stuff. I, I think you'll enjoy it. And the rest of my conversation with Andy Malinsky. Andy, welcome to Work and Life. Thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Well, it's great to have you here uh, and to talk about uh, what you have discovered and written about and shared with the world uh, in your book, Reach, about what it means to stretch beyond your comfort zone, which is something that really all of us struggle with. Everybody's got a different comfort zone and a different uh, fear zone, I I suppose you could say, on the opposite end. And uh, and you're going to help us understand what it means to grasp what your comfort zone is and, and, and move beyond it. So perhaps we could start by you're just telling us, uh, how'd you get into this? Uh, what led you to write this book, Andy? Yeah, so it's, it's funny. Uh, <clears throat> when, uh, when you introduced me as an expert on stepping outside my comfort zone, I, it, I, I, I think it's, it's funny because it happens a lot, and, and the reality is, is that I'm anything but an expert. I'm definitely an expert. Okay, at- can we end this conversation now since you're not an expert <laughs> and I thought you were? Come on, man. No, I, I understand where you're going. Though. I definitely am. I'm an expert at struggling outside my comfort ah. zone and paying a lot of attention to noticing it and trying to understand the challenges. And it's, uh, I well, mean, that's I guess everything, I wanna, isn't it? Right? Yeah. To, to I, want, I mean, conscious. I want to say I, I struggle just like everybody else. Um, mm. It's, I, I, I think I started, I think what, what, what sparked this actually, this book was, my first book was in 2013, uh, which was about, it was called Global, De- it's called Global Dexterity, about mm-hmm. acting outside your cultural comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, moving across cultures, stepping into situations that are uncomfortable from a cross-cultural perspective. And I was getting a lot of um, feedback at talks that I gave and emails and so on, that the ideas in that book had, had a, a broader audience, in a sense, that, that, were, that, that, that there's so many situations that have you know, nothing to do with culture, per se, but where we have to stretch outside mm-hmm. our comfort zones. And I had this, sure. I had this weird, weird epiphany that, that this is actually a topic that I had already been doing a lot of research on, that I already struggled with myself, and I thought, what an excellent second book to write. Yeah, because the obvious uh, boundaries and shifts in context when you move from one culture to another are are so clear that you're out of your element, you're out of your comfort zone, and and it becomes uh, just so noticeable. Uh, it's it's the everyday uh, that that requires a little bit more attention, and, and so yeah, you've brought to bear your 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 experience uh, and and your wisdom and research on this topic. Uh, what's to to start in what what is, on the on the substance of what you're offering in this model what uh did you discover about authenticity competence resentment likability and morality why are those yeah. why are those five uh so such important concepts in understanding what it means to stretch beyond your comfort zone yeah so um so i should say um that the the people that I the research that I did for this book spanned across professions and contexts too. Mm-hmm. So when I describe some of these sort of core challenges that you mentioned, it's it's important I guess to note that they're you know I talked to managers, um, entrepreneurs, uh, um, doctors, lawyers, everyday people, small business owners, stay at home moms mm-hmm. trying to go back to the workplace. I mean people are really across the spectrum. And what I found from from, um, it's like the people, people who are listening to us right now, Andy. 
that's what I was uh, that's what I was thinking. I mean, and and so what I what I found was that um, you know, across, across all these people, and I could you know I could talk more about that. Um, I found <clears throat> that there were basically that there are five key you know, I call them psychological roadblocks. They're essentially barriers, mm-hmm. you know, that, that keep us in our comfort zones that make it so hard, you know, and, and as you said, one of them is authenticity, the idea that, 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 that you know, we're afraid that this, this isn't me, this doesn't feel like me, mm-hmm. I feel like an imposter stepping outside my comfort zone, and that's, that's pretty hard, you know, that, 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 that's, hard. that's a hard leap to make when you feel that way. Um, people feel incompetent, uh, you know, I, I can't do this well, and, and, and by the way, I'm, a, I'm afraid it's pretty obvious I can't do it well, <laughs> you know. Everybody knows uh, I'm screwing up here. <laughs> exactly, and it's, you know, it's, that's, a, that's, that's, that's a tough one as well. Yes. Likeability, that was one that I, I, um, I, I heard time and time again that, that pe- pe- people um, were worried that, that, that others wouldn't like or respect this, this version of themselves, this, mm. you know, stepping into this new role, into this new task, into this new, spe- new behavior. A new re- I might be in a new relationship, so I become a, a different person or I appear to others as different, and maybe they won't like what they see. Yeah, and that's, that's if, you feel, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you care about what others think of you, as most mm-hmm. of us do, that's, that, that's a tough barrier to overcome. Mm-hmm. Res- resentment? That was one I, I actually keep hearing this, especially among um, you know people who are introverted. Let's say as an example, and they have to step into our work world, which nowadays you know really does favor kind of the extroverted personality in a lot of ways. Sure. You know, a lot of those characteristics are valued in terms of speaking out, speaking up, being mm-hmm. assertive, and so on, and or networking and making you know chit chatting. And a lot of introverts have told me that they feel like deeply resentful that. That you know, why does my ability to speak about the game last night, or the the movie I saw this weekend, or my commute to the office, or whatever, why is that so important? And why? How about how about the quality of my work? <laughs> you know, hmm. uh, and people felt resentment then having to try to step into that role and play that role and do those behaviors when it when it wasn't really them. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are four of the barriers that you found. The last one, morality. How is that a barrier to uh, stepping beyond or reaching beyond your your comfort zone? Yeah. So. Um, so I, I opened the book with the story, as you, as you know, about a, a young entrepreneur who had to fire her best friend uh, from her startup. That that felt like a deep morality challenge to her. Um, I um, I spoke with a lot of young entrepreneurs also, who or business owners who um, who who felt very uncomfortable um, not not telling the whole story to people they were hiring. Now, of course, they, they they wouldn't really be required to tell the whole story. That, for example, you know, they only had a couple months left of funding, but. But but you know they 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 knew they couldn't tell the full truth, but at the same time they felt um, very uncomfortable, almost almost uh, having you know from a morality standpoint, it's sort of like you know being on a first date. You're not going to tell every you know gory detail of your personality in your life, but they were feeling pangs of guilt about it. Um, I also an, another notable example of the morality challenge was I had a long conversation with a booker at a TV news network program whose job it was to book, uh, to be the very first to book guests on their, on their program, mm-hmm. you know, especially in cases of like national tragedies. Let's say there was an airplane mm-hmm. crash and she had to fight against all the other bookers from all the other stations to get that, that family on the airwaves. And, you know, she, she, she felt, she felt awful doing it as, as anyone mm-hmm. probably could imagine. She actually left, but, but that was a that was a pretty strong morality challenge for her in terms of stepping outside her comfort zone. So there were all I, the, I, 
Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, finish. No, well, I was going to just interject here and summarize that, that there are so many ways in which we, all of us, feel uh, inhibited about trying something new. That if we are to try something new, it's not going to it's not going to feel right. I I might screw up. I, I, I why should I have to do this change? Are people going to like me? Is it wrong for me to do this? Uh, there, there are so many challenges. What did you discover about uh, how to overcome them? I guess that's that's the main emphasis of, of what you're bringing to us with your book. What what are the keys to overcoming these inhibitions to movement forward? Yeah, um, I, I found three um, <clears throat> three three key ones that seem to separate people who are able to overcome the challenges and actually you know take the leap. Because um, a lot of people avoid it. Uh, I, me too, you know, avoid. Sure. But w- what enables people to take the leap? The first was, um, the first that I they saw just, you know, across so many contexts, so many situations was, was what I ended up calling conviction. You know, ha- sort of having that deep sense of purpose mm-hmm. uh, in, in belief in what you're doing, that, 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 that this really is worthwhile for me, you know, despite the fact that I might worry about likability and competence and authenticity and so on. And, you know, people, people found their source of conviction in, 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 in many different places. You know, for some people, it was a very professional story or a very, very professional source of conviction. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I've always wanted to become a manager. I've always wanted to own my own company. I've always wanted to, you know, whatever it might be. For others, it was very, very personal, um, you know, I have to tell you, for me personally, you know, when I struggle stepping outside my comfort zone, I've, I've got two children, um, I have a 10 and a 12-year-old, and you know, I always think that my strongest source of conviction always comes from them. And mm-hmm. the idea that, you know, in my role as a, as a dad, I, 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 I'm always trying to encourage my kids to step outside their comfort zone, to be courageous, and then so when I encounter something and I'm feeling nervous, I'm feeling worried, and I'm about to avoid it, I say to myself, wait a second, mm-hmm. you know, I, this isn't the dad I want to be, you know, so, th- so for me, the dad I want to be. So, Andy, first and most important, conviction, believing that this step is worth it because of who you want to become, other sources that of, 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 of uh, motivation and uh, commitment to change that come from uh the, the, you know, that give you the the conviction you need to to take that leap what else sure. have you discovered about that yeah so um i mean there are a variety of them uh uh <clears throat> for instance i was describing earlier um a young entrepreneur who had to fire her best friend um and and for her uh which as you can imagine is an awful situation well outside her comfort zone um for her, it was it was it was for example that she she realized she needed to do she needed to do what's best for the business mm-hmm. and for all these people who had invested in her. You know, they invested this money mm-hmm. and they invested their confidence in her. And then and then the other employees, other than her best friend, who was you know undermining the business in some ways, all these other employees who she felt responsible for because mm-hmm. she had recruited them from other higher paying jobs to to join her startup. Now, of course, it's it's there. They had the choice, but she still felt responsible. And so that sense of, you know, responsibility yeah. uh, was, was, was a strong source of conviction for her. Is, you know, it, it's very, is, is it always a matter of, uh, you know, thinking of others that you love and care about and that depend on you that gives you that, uh, that strength of, uh, of conviction? 
I think that it depends. I think for some people that's 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 their that that's where they derive their strongest source of conviction. Like I think me personally, that's that's usually what does it for me. But you know, I I spoke with people who 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 really um, found a source of conviction in their professional ambition. Um, mm-hmm. I I there's a story in the book. I'm, I imagine you probably remember of Annie Harris, who she was um, a uh, she was a um, account manager at a high, at a high net worth firm uh, that that tried to attract clients to the firm to invest in it and she would go out on these uh, pitch meetings with um with a portfolio manager uh to high net worth individuals and they would constantly undermine her uh, i'm sorry not they the the portfolio manager would constantly undermine annie and and and, she, and and it was it was a really awful situation she he would demean her in front of clients she wouldn't he wouldn't listen to her and 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 she she struggled she she wanted to talk to him she wanted to be assertive towards him she wanted to tell him off mm-hmm. but she just couldn't do it so how did and she so muster the courage to do that she that's um yes it's exactly so so for her she she, she wanted to be an executive she and a manager she had mm-hmm. she had real professional ambitions deep ones mm-hmm. and that was her source of conviction that if this that here's where i want to be here's where i want to go and this is what it takes. It's going to take me to start, you know, stepping up, being assertive, and stepping outside my comfort zone. So for her, it was a, mm-hmm. sort of, I think, professional ambition that drove her. All right. Her. So there's, there's ambition, there's caring for others. There are probably other sources of conviction, but I want to make sure we address the other two keys to overcoming inhibitions to stepping outside of your comfort zone, clarity and customization. So talk about those. Yeah, so customization I'll start with is, Probably the biggest surprise for me in the study that I did in terms of the pa- its, its power. Um, it really was a powerful tool and technique that people used, and they used it in so many different ways. What customization essentially is is it's I, an analogy I like to use is almost is like a tailor. You know, you go buy a pair of pants or a suit um, off the rack, and for most of us, you don't just you know, put it right on and it fits perfectly, we usually tweak it, adjust it in subtle but meaningful ways, mm-hmm. just like, you know, a tailor would. And so what I found is that people consistently across situations, across professions, were doing the same thing to their behavior. They were making minor but meaningful tweaks in a variety of ways, their body language, they're bringing props to situations. Um, for example, I, I can tell you a personal story that I, for years, I was afraid to speak in public, um, you know, give talks, and I used to wear a special ring. Uh, and it was a ring that my, um, that my great uncle had found in the beaches of the South Pacific uh, in World War II, and mm-hmm. the tiger's eye stone, that it was made into a ring, and it always represented courage for me. And, you know, when I gave talks and I wore it, no one knew that. Of course, everyone now knows it. <laughs> but, uh, but, but at the time, it was sort of like a private, secret little prop that I would bring to the situation that just gave me that little bit extra bit of confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, people, people stage the context. You might like I have a. Um, I was telling, I was talking to a, a banker the other day who said to me when I was talking to him about customization. He said, "Oh my gosh, I did that when I fir-, He said when I first gave speeches. Um, I was terrified to speak in public. I used to fly in. My, he was in Boston. I used to fly in my best buddy from New York to sit eighth row center and be a smiling face in the crowd. So, you know, there are all sorts that of things. That was his you can, tweak. That was his tweak. Here's another one I heard the other day. I love this one. This is a woman who's um, very uncomfortable making small talk and chit chat and 
in, in being social, and she really wants to, to be able to be more social in certain situations. And she, she happens to love photography. And so she had, this, she had this epiphany that she could bring a selfie stick to, to get-togethers, to social get-togethers. And it was this amazing prop or tool to catalyze her experience. All of a sudden, it, it, it gave her something to talk about. It brought people over. They were excited. She loosened up. She got, you know, she, she got their emails so she could send the pictures and so on. It was just sort of this fun thing that, that completely transformed the situation So there's her. no one best way. Everybody's got to figure out their own solutions uh, to... Yeah making change happen and to, to, to surround themselves or to take actions that enable them to feel a little bit more comfortable outside of their comfort zone. Uh, and, and everybody's got to do it their own way. Is, is that a good way of summarizing it? I would say so, because, um, because there, in, in what I try to do in the book is reveal to people the real tremendous um, set of possible ways you can do it. And it's, and it, it's, it's, it's customizable, just like I might like, mm-hmm. you know, soy milk and three shots of espresso in my latte. You might like something a little bit different. So it's I very, do. it's a, it's, a <laughs> it's a personal thing. But I think that what's what's nice about it is it puts the power back in your hands because I think otherwise in these situations, you know, we can feel kind of powerless. Yes, Andy, let's let's talk about that third element, clarity. Why is that so important? Yeah, I think I think in um, in situations that are that are that are outside our comfort zones, um, when we're particularly scared, anxious, um, I think we quite easily go to doomsday scenarios. We catastrophize. You know, we worry we'll fail, we'll flop, our reputations will be ruined, we'll never do X, Y, or Z again. Um, I think what what I found from 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 people describing their their situations and how they were over able to overcome their fears, it was critical to develop. A sort of a sense of clarity, a sort of a, a, sort of a, 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 a grounded sense of sort of realism, um, not not on either extreme. And by the way, some people went to the opposite positive extreme. So giving a, you know, uh, con- contemplating giving a speech, they would, you know, catastrophize and say, oh my gosh, it'll be a total embarrassment and flop. Or they'd go to the other sh- extreme and say, you know, I'll never give a speech because I'll never be that best TED talker and I'll never get two million views or something. And and I think people who were able to kind of capture that that more sober middle ground were much more successful. Um, who were able to say, you know, I'm, I probably won't be the best TED talker, and uh, you know, I probably won't flop. I'll probably be somewhere in the middle, and you know, in in, in I'll, I'll I'll have some you know good aspects and some aspects I'll need to work on, and I'll bet you I'll learn a lot, and you know, I'll I'll I'll, I'll probably do better next time. Sort of that sort of even-handed, sober, normalized type of thinking. Was was a real real asset to people who are able to take the leap. Yeah, and that is, uh, you know, that's the essence of uh, cognitive behavior therapy, right? Where you know you you test your thinking uh, against reality, uh, and you look at the thoughts that you might have that are really not in tune with the with the realistic possibilities, and you challenge them uh, so that you can, uh, you know, reduce your anxieties. Uh, and and realize that well, you know the the earth is not going to stop, the sky is not going to fall, and uh, and so maybe it's not as bad as you had thought. But it really does require a conscious effort to challenge challenge your thinking. So so you need conviction, customization, clarity. Um, as as we are are winding down here, Andy, I wonder if you could give some specific tips for listeners that they can use to start to practice. 
um, putting these ideas into play? What, what are the most important things for people to know uh, in terms of how to move forward? Well, I think a lot of people, um, I think a, a, good, a good quick and dirty question to ask yourself in terms of even, you know, you know considering this type of, um, this type of uh, effort um, would be to ask yourself if, if in the situation that you're thinking about, whether it's, you know, um, getting up the courage to give that speech or to, to, to ask your boss for a promotion or to deliver that bad news or to go network or whatever it is, if you could take, you know, a magic eraser and erase the anxiety and fear that you're experiencing, you know, would, would this be something that you'd like to be able to do? You know, I think people oftentimes get caught in the rationalization that, you know, this just isn't really that important. I don't really need to do this. Mm-hmm. But if you, can, if you can kind of erase just even in a thought experiment that anxiety and fear just for a moment, for a split second, mm-hmm. and, and be able to see whether this is something you'd like to do, I think that's, that's oftentimes very powerful for people to be able to say, huh, okay, yeah, I guess I probably, probably would be worth, you know, giving it a shot. And then, and then if that's the case... Um, I think I would, I would really strongly suggest that people um, do what I talk about in the book, locate and then try to embrace the, 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 the reasons why you're doing this, why mm-hmm. this matters to mm-hmm. you. That's the conviction piece, to, to experiment and see if there's a way you might be able to customize your situation, to make some tweaks, to make it a little bit more comfortable for you, and so on. Because what I found, and this is, one, this is kind of like, In some ways, it's actually quite simple, but in other ways, it's quite profound. And what I found is that when people, the whole goal here is to actually get someone to take the leap instead of avoiding, because when you take the leap and you try it, you often have some very important personal discoveries. And I kept hearing this time and time again, and I Mm -hmm. heard two key personal discoveries. Number one, this isn't as bad as I thought it was. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And number two, I'm a little bit better at this than I thought I was, mm-hmm. right? So on the other side of fear, there's some pretty powerful personal discoveries, which for a lot of people then will increase the chances they'll try it again. Sure, and because get into, they'll, yeah. they'll feel more confident and they'll also understand that other people see them as not so incompetent after all. And that then uh, lowers uh, those, those sources of fear and concern. Hi, this is Stu Friedman. I hope you're enjoying this conversation, and I'm just so glad you're listening. If you like the Work and Life podcast, I would personally appreciate your taking just a minute to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you access this podcast, whatever your favorite platform is. We are relatively new as a podcast, uh, and our team is working really hard to bring you for free the best of the conversations that took place on my Sirius XM radio show, but were previously available only to paid subscribers. So every positive rating and review helps us to grow our capacity to move faster toward the goal of sharing useful information and insights about how to create harmony among the different parts of life with people who wouldn't otherwise have access So please do help us, and if you have ideas for what we can do to improve our impact, please write to me at friedman at wharton.upenn.edu. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks, and now, back to the show. 
Andy, other practical tips you can provide to help listeners think about what they can do to be stepping beyond their comfort zones? Sure. Um, I think that, uh, I think, as is true with any skill, you want to set up a a good opportunity to practice, a practice routine, and actually, maybe this is, I know this is a work-life show, and I have to tell you, I've always, I have two kids, as I mentioned earlier, and I'm always inspired by my kids, and and, and I was inspired by the idea in their schools of choosing a just-right book when they're trying to learn to read, and and I think that this analogy applies here, too, very well, that, that you should thoughtfully try to choose some just right situations for you to practice in. So if you're trying to, if if your situation is networking, you probably don't want to step into the most intimidating, stressful network, high stakes networking event you could possibly imagine. Mm -hmm. You might want to find something that's that's not in your comfort zone, but maybe just in your learning zone, just a little bit of a stretch. And if you can set up some opportunities for yourself to practice, you'll probably get on a positive cycle where you discover your confidence, you discover that this isn't as bad as you thought it was, and you can build yourself up just like building a muscle to those sort of key situations that you're really ultimately aiming for. I mean, the power of the small wins approach and the small small wins theory of change, which this you know, clearly resonates with and is, is so much consistent with in, in your research is, uh, is that you build confidence uh, with, with a small step, which gives you the, uh, the sense uh, that you can perhaps take that next step and the next one and the next one, and you just get stronger and stronger. So that's, that's really, really useful advice, Andy, to be taking that small step and to scale it down. Make, make it so that what it is that you're trying is not going to be so terrifyingly scary that you would just not ever do it. You've got to make it a little smaller. I wanted to take a minute here to remind you that on the radio show, um, when it broadcasts live, I take calls from listeners from all over the country, and we talk about some topic that came up in my conversation with my guest. In my conversation with Andy Malinsky, he wanted to stay on for the conversation with my callers, so he did, and we had a great time. And Coming up here is uh, our exchange with one of the people who called in the second part of the show. I hope you enjoy it. We've got Mindy and Tara on the road back to New York City, uh, I understand. Uh, Mindy, tell us, what are you doing? And what is happening right now? Um, this is Mindy, my daughter Tara. Hi. We just came back from lobbying Congress on behalf of the Epilepsy Foundation, and we were listening to your show. Uh, Tara just got into Brandeis University. She's a senior. Hey. And she met today with um, representatives from the Senate and the House with their staff to talk about funding for epilepsy, which she, she was diagnosed a year ago. Well, uh, we heard your show. It's totally out of both our comfort zones. What to, to do this kind of thing? To to, to be lobbying Congress. Congress? Yes, I had to tell them my story and ask them for 175 million dollars to fund for research and programming. And I only had about 30 seconds to do all the above. Wow. Well. Um, 
you know, I, I'm really proud of you, <laughs> Tara, uh, for doing what you did here. Let me introduce you to one of your future professors, Andy Malinsky, uh, who teaches at Brandeis. Andy, say hi to Tara. Hey, Tara. That's an awesome story. Thank you, Andy. Nice to, nice to speak with you. Well, so how did you find the, uh, you know, the will, uh, the courage to, uh, to take up the challenge of, uh, of lobbying on, on, on behalf of uh, an issue that uh, obviously has had deep personal impact on you? I wasn't really open to doing anything. It took me a little while to accept the fact that I do have epilepsy and it wasn't a misdiagnosis. So when my mom recommended going to support group of some sort, I actually started a class to become a certified peer educator, which I eventually took and I was I passed and everything. And then I went into support group and I decided I wanted to do more. So I got involved with many different foundations within the epilepsy community, and eventually I was so involved that I was nominated to represent Long Island, New York, Mm -hmm. as someone to, you know, encourage Congress and, you know, just the government in general to help us, because it's really, it's one of those conditions, diseases that people don't know much about, and it's three million people throughout the United States are affected by epilepsy, which, mm-hmm. you know, it's really a shocker to most. And there's so many different kinds of so, epilepsy um, uh, conditions. People, people need to be educated, and obviously you felt really strongly about this, back to Andy's concept of, you know, the, the core of finding, you know, the, the strength, the courage to overcome the inhibitions to action, to step out of your comfort zone, to reach further, is conviction. You obviously believed in this, in this cause. Uh, Andy, yeah, and, and that's, that's really the big insight. So, Andy, uh, any comments or questions for Tara? Yeah, Tara, it's interesting. Uh, it sounds like it was a pretty intimidating situation, but you don't sound intimidated. You sound pretty excited and proud. What did, what, did, what did you discover about yourself after, you know, kind of taking the leap and giving it a go? Well, I started out, I would say the last few years, I was a little bit nervous. I used to be pretty quiet and nobody would expect me to do anything. And I, you know, kind of the basis of getting into this kind of thing, I took a trip to Bulgaria this past summer on community service and I knew absolutely no one. So after meeting people and then also heading to Israel after that, I kind of saw the opportunities and I was like, wow, you know, I have a lot to do in this world, and I kind of want to save it eventually, and I'm taking it step by step. So I realized, you know, getting involved in a foundation so close to the heart is going to be another way that I have a say. She never made eye contact when she was younger. She was painfully shy. So this is, you know, such a huge um, this leap. So it's just amazing. Um, I if you saw, you know, who she was a while back, like I said, it was completely out of her comfort zone. Uh, maybe not as much anymore, but uh, it was just amazing to see it. And I think your book sounds really interesting and something we're both listening to the show, and we just wanted to share you Thank know, you. our story. Mindy and Tara, uh, thanks so much for calling in to share your inspiring story of growth and courage. Really appreciate your calling. I'm sure we're going to be hearing a lot more from Tara uh, in the years to come. Hopefully, uh, Brandeis helps the 
Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks again so much for calling. So, Andy, uh, what, what's your takeaway from uh, Mindy and Tara's story? Oh, it's a fabulous story. I, I think uh, <clears throat> I, I, I agree with you that conviction seems to be a really big part of it. And also the story about taking steps over time. You know, she, she described going abroad, going to Bulgaria, sort of d- discover, uh, stepping out of her shell in a way and discovering discovering the the capabilities that she has in herself, and it sounds like she's building on that. So Mm -hmm. that's a great story. Yeah, it's such a wonderful example of, uh, you know, you take a step forward, you discover something new about yourself, and of course that enables you to take further steps. Um, So uh, in in just the the last minute we've got here, one of the things we haven't talked too much about is guilt, Um, although maybe that comes into the category of morality. You know, one of the things I encounter a lot as people are contemplating and striving to make changes that are going to be good for them and their families and their communities and their work is that they feel guilty because if they try this new thing that's going to be good for them and their families, well, then, you know, maybe other people will think that that's selfish or that they'll be acting out of self-interest. Any tips on how to overcome guilt as a source of inhibition to to stepping beyond your, your comfort zone? Well, guilt, guilt is usually about is about having done something wrong, and you know I, I wouldn't say that stepping outside your comfort zone. I would sort of sort of check yourself and see if, if is is it truly guilt? Do you, did you really feel you did something wrong? You know, I, I think it's I think it's important um, to to as much as you can to to surround yourself with people who can can kind of support you uh, in your efforts, especially Absolutely. your fledgling efforts to mm-hmm. step outside your comfort zone. Absolutely. So, yeah, so, so, so that's, that's what I would say about guilt. I'd, I'd, Thank I you, Andy. I question whether it's, whether it's really guilt, but, you know, it's, it's all individual, too. No one, no one does this alone. Uh, Andy Malinsky, thank you so much for joining me. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Andy Malinsky. Perhaps you were inspired to act, to try to overcome some inhibition that you're now feeling about trying something new. So here is my challenge to you. Why not experiment with using Andy's ideas to overcome whatever is holding you back from reaching beyond your comfort zone right now? What is one change that you'd like to make in any part of your life. A change that might benefit not just your work, not just your family, not just your friends and community, not just yourself personally, but all four of the different parts of your life. Think about what barriers of the five that Malinsky found in his research, what is in your head that is holding you back? And what would it mean for you to articulate your conviction, your belief in why you want to take this step, how can you really question or challenge your thinking so that you have a clear picture of the realities of the situation you're facing rather than you know, the perhaps irrational fears that you're making up inside your head? And finally, are there some things that you could do to customize, to tweak, to make really small a step that you might take? Because the smaller the step, the easier it is to move beyond your comfort zone. So why not try that? And if you do, I recommend that you document 
what you're doing in some way because writing, reflecting really helps you to understand what's going on and to learn from it. And even better would be that you would tell me about that. You could write to me about your your effort and what you learned from it, success or failure, using this set of ideas or anything you've heard on the show at any time. I would love to hear from you. The address is Friedman at wharton.upenn.edu. I'd really like to hear from you. Finally, one more thing, an update on the great Julie Smolyansky, who appeared on my show and in this uh, podcast, uh, episode two. She's the CEO of Lifeway Foods. They make kefir. And we had a wonderful conversation that I hope you enjoyed about how she integrates the different parts of her life in some really creative and powerful ways. Well, Forbes magazine just did a piece about her. It's called On Resilience, From Surviving Sexual Assault to Running a $150 Million Company, How This CEO Stays Brave. The great and powerful Julie Smolyansky profiled in Forbes magazine. Check it out. Thanks for listening to this episode of Work and Life. This conversation was originally recorded on my weekly radio show on Sirius XM 111, Business Radio, powered by Wharton. Tune in for live broadcasts of Work and Life on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern. For more about today's guest and about previous guests, check out our blog at workandlifepodcast.com. Join the conversation by tweeting at Stu Friedman. And for more ideas and tools for creating harmony among the different parts of life, check out our website, totalleadership.org, and my book, Total Leadership, Be a Better Leader, Have a Richer Life. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share it with your friends, family, and coworkers. Until next time, I'm your host, Stu Friedman, and I thank you for joining me.